Welcome to Sing, Breathe, Be with Heidi Riggs. So, welcome to my first real podcast, everybody. This is uh, pretty epic, I think, because I have resisted doing this for um, about a year and a half, actually. So, there's been a lot of talk uh, among my students and my alumni about what I should put on my podcast, and I appreciate everybody's input, of course, of course, and I'm going to share a few of those ideas and kind of like happy to get feedback and see what everybody thinks, where they want me to go from here, because I'm happy to do that. Um, so one of the ideas here was to talk about my why. Why would I want to do a podcast? But more importantly, um, what my mission is here as a voice teacher and as a singer, as an artist, and um, as somebody who works one-on-one -on -one with people when they're tackling the big courage issues right in life so maybe talking about my personal journey and my healing right and my writing the hero's you know story versus the victim story and that's one idea so talk about my why then of course there's the idea of bringing in some of my close friends and colleagues and doing interviews and I love that idea because I have so many amazing people in my life who are one are just crazy funny and fun to listen to <laughs> um, tell their tell their life story in, in the most amazing um, com comical terms. And then of course, I have just a gaggle, if you will, <laughs> a gaggle of um, brilliant musicians and educators and pedagogists and performers and directors and producers and tech people and you know just amazing people in my life so I'm really and of course my alumni which is a whole other thing we should talk about so we have that then um kind of talking to about sort of what brought me here to this place where I thought oh you know, I really need to share this and, and what's happened with me. And, and some people might look at it like, oh, that's too woo-woo or mystical or whatever. But um, sort of having arrived to this place right now, sitting in my studio office, um, has been truly a journey of, you know, trust, right, and surrender. And um, and I, I'd like to talk about that too. So there's a lot of things I'd like to talk about. And I think probably the best introduction and into my why of why I'm here and why I want to do this is to talk a little bit about my students. So going all the way back to, you know, when I first started teaching, it was accidental, truly, I, I fell into it. Honestly, I had my degree in performance from Greensboro College, go pride in Greensboro, North Carolina. And um, I had moved up to Michigan, back to Michigan, actually, we're from here, um, with my husband and my oldest daughter, who was a year and a half at the time. And I was a makeup artist, you know, I had to find a real job after I graduated. And there was this pressure, I think, you know, it's this pressure we all feel, especially in our 20s, um, where we have to, you know, settle down, find the job, the job, right? And I was really, you know, part of that 
<laughs> I believed it. I believed that fully that I was supposed to go find a job and work for a company or work for, you know, whomever to make money, make ends meet, get benefits, the whole thing. And it never felt authentic to me. And not because I don't look at other people doing it and, and absolutely envy them because it looks really solid and secure and beautiful from the outside looking in. But when I was doing it, it felt inauthentic. And I don't know why. I never quite figured it out because I was a makeup artist and I love doing makeup. Um, I had studied, you know, in college, taking, you know, the stage craft courses and all those things. And I'd been in sales. And when I graduated with my, you know, degree in music performance and had to get a real job, it, it just sort of fit between, you know, my interest and love of makeup, which had been actually a lifelong love. My mom was a Mary Kay <laughs> representative, I think, you know, when I was middle school and I, I used to get into her kit constantly and I'd go with her to parties and help and I you know I would literally sit and draw faces and, and put different makeup looks on them I had a whole book full of that so it wasn't surprising to me at all that I, I just gravitated that way after I graduated and I was really happy doing it honestly and when we moved up to Michigan and I transferred with the company I was with and um, I was traveling I got promoted and I was traveling and it really was not my thing anymore. It was not it. And I knew it wasn't it. Um, I did love it. I love doing makeup. And I did it for 20 years as a freelance artist. But it wasn't, it didn't feel like I said, it didn't feel authentic. Singing for me has always, I mean, I remember being six, seven years old singing, like just singing at home, singing on you know, my swing set, just always singing, going to church, looking forward to going to church just so I could sing with the choir, the children's choir, or listen to the adult choir, or, you know, just I was always in love with music. It was always this thing in our home, you know, my father always put live from the Met on every Saturday. Um, and we had, you know, a record player that, and a record collection that I, mean, I know they still have that was epic. You know, I just his Wagner collection alone, you know, <laughs> I, I, I grew up that way. I grew up listening to music. I grew up singing. And when I decided that singing was it, and I got my degree in it, my intention was to go on right away and get my master's and, and hopefully, you know, do a young artist program and, and um, you know, sing professionally. That was that was my thing. So when we moved up here, um, everything, you know, obviously changed when we had our oldest. And I felt aimless. I felt lost. I felt like, I mean, I knew I, I had my job as a mom, which to me was the most important thing in the world and still is more important than anything else. I told myself I have my whole life to sing, but I've got about 18 years to screw this up. So let's not and just focus. And my husband, we moved up here so he could have work for Ford and have benefits and all the things that we needed for a family. And I would sing occasionally, you know, I would join a choir and, you know, a, a civic choir, or I do community theater, or I would be asked to perform with, you know, I think it was the International Symphony Orchestra, or maybe it was a college, I don't know, it was 20 years ago, I don't remember. But I was asked to do like an original work. And every time I would sing, I would notice people would kind of find me and ask me to teach them or teach their children. And it was very like, you know, coming out of school where everybody had their roles 
you know, educator and then performer. And it just seemed like everybody was pigeonholed pretty solidly. I did not see myself as an educator. I did not, I saw myself as a performer. And I, I remember the first student I took on and I, I, I kind of did it like, all right, I'll do this, but can't make any promises, <laughs> which is not really the way you want to approach, you know, getting the confidence of your, you know, client or student. But I did it and I, I, I actually enjoyed it. I was in the flow, if you will. I loved it. And very quickly I took on students. They found me really, because there was no Facebook, you know, or social media to, you know, advertise or promote yourself at the time. So it was really word of mouth. And then, you know, I would get asked to music direct, which again I never saw myself doing that either. And here I was doing it. And I would just get in there and I be in the flow. It was my thing. This is I love music and I loved sharing it as a performer and I also loved sharing it as a director and I loved sharing it as an educator and I just loved being part of it. And it didn't matter what I was, whether I was on the stage, whether I was in a director position, whether I was in an educator position, it just felt authentic. It felt real. It felt like the thing I was supposed to be doing. It felt like my calling, my purpose. And I resisted that for a good long time. Um, did almost anything else than that because I didn't have a concept of how to do it. I didn't know how. I couldn't for the life of me figure out how someone could make a career out of this. Again, mind you, I was still part of that idea that I was supposed to work for someone and have you know benefits and get paid by the hour or whatever and that was supposed to be you know that I was failing because I hadn't done that in my mind, right? And it took me about 10 years of teaching and directing and and having more babies, by the way, that I realized I was transforming my students. It was transformational teaching. They were going from afraid to sing out to calling me and saying, hey, I just got accepted to XYZ program. I'm on scholarship. Hey, I just got into grad school. Hey, I'm doing my recital. And it was just like this, oh, wow. Wow, this is crazy. And it was, the first time it happened, I was like, that's lovely. And I'm so happy for you and everything. And then at a certain point, I think about 10 years in, I realized that it was, you know, I had something to do with it to a certain degree, right? I joined them on their journey and, and helped give them some tools that made them feel confident. And I know on my journey, there were certain tools given to me as a performer that made me feel confident. And actually, that's a great idea for a podcast. I think I'll probably talk about those tools that I was given. um, Because, you know, those were transformational. And one of which was taking, I had to sign up and take an advanced level music course. And I took pedagogy. And then um, I fell in love with it. (laughs) And I loved every part of that class. And I will never forget it. And when I looked at doing my master's, that was what I was going to do my master's in. And that is a performance degree in some programs. So it's it worked for me in terms of, you know, the study of how to teach the instrument and then also performing as well. So the, I felt the two things went hand in hand for me. So noticing finally after 10 years of teaching that there was a pattern developing and that my students were actually not just learning, but you know, executing, they were doing it. And they weren't just doing it, you know, mediocre, 
mediocrely, is that a word, mediocrely, they were actually excelling, they were thriving, they had the tools. And I didn't know how I was doing what I was doing. <laughs> I just kept showing up and I kept, you know, loving it because I loved music and I loved being in it. So it didn't matter to me what capacity, what hat I wore, as long as I was in the room, right? And I was in, that, in Hamilton, the room where it happens. That's all I cared about. I just wanted to be part of music. And it didn't mean I needed to be the prima donna assoluta. I don't even know if they use that for opera, but they do for ballet. But I didn't need to be that. I know they use prima donna, but I didn't need to be that. I just needed to be in the room. And my personal goals to perform were still there and are still there. Um, but I definitely was content in just being part of music. I figured out that I needed to learn how I was doing what I was doing when I actually got a student who had no time. He was auditioning for college programs and <clears throat> had come to me to help him prepare. And this is not, by the way, this is a common thing now I've noticed is that students will study with another teacher and then realize they're not quite feeling as ready as they hoped and they know I exist and suddenly I'm getting phone calls and they're here and I have six weeks before unifieds <laughs> to help them. And it's, it's one of those, you know, oh, no pressure. But in this case, that wasn't it. His teacher had moved and, and he wanted audition and he came to me, he wanted audition for a program. He had a year basically, not even actually, we had like seven months before pre-screens had to go in. And um, I, I was stressed out. I was really stressed out because he had been voice typed as a baritone and he wasn't, he was a tenor, just tension on top, you know, the normal, the normal things, but no time. And so I laid awake, I think for two straight nights, wondering and thinking aloud with how do I do what I do? If I had to put it down on paper and write it down and say, this is the process that I use to release a student's voice and to give them, you know, crucial t information and tools to, you know, effectively and efficiently use the instrument in a tension-free way, how do I do that? I didn't know. <laughs> That's why I laid awake. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. How am I doing this? Well, I realize now that I've always taught a student where they are that day. You walk in, I'm going to teach you where you stand. Whatever you have, whatever you brought, that's what we're going to do. I don't really come in with anything preconceived. I meet you where you are. And I think a lot of great teachers do that. So I think I must have had a lot of great teachers because I know I teach the way I was taught in a lot of ways. So in this instance, I was just how am I going to do this quickly? How do I how do I expedite this process that takes, I mean, really, honestly, an average of four years, it's four years for a young student to get ready to get into top programs. I mean, we can get into some pretty good schools, for sure, with less time. And I've done it since, of course. But four years is the amount of time. That's it high school, freshman through senior year, we can do it, we can do it. And you can do whatever you want, pretty much. We'll get you into and I don't want to really name names, but some pretty pretty good schools. And the, I didn't know, I just laid there going, okay, well, I don't want to go look up a book, because I'm going to get all obsessed with someone else's process. And it's not going to really resonate, no pun intended with what I'm doing, I need to do what I'm doing. So I just laid awake and said, Okay, I've got to give him an invisible bag of tricks, tools. And you know, I was just like, what do we need? Number one, breathing. Okay, so support. That's a big word and it encapsulates a lot, but support. Okay, what else? <sighs> Approach. 
you know, so often singers get stuck in that chesty space and they don't know how to go up to their high notes. So they just bring all this weight up with them and, and their high notes are, um, you know, not there then because they're really singing on the wrong part of the folds and they're pressing and they're causing, you know, all this tension in the, in the larynx and it doesn't work. And so the instrument doesn't work up high in the head voice. So approach is so we can get into the head voice. And so we can also how to approach our bottom notes too, because that is a thing as well. And we have more than one registration, so there's a lot to think about. So approach, again, encapsulates a lot, but I put that in my list. Approach, okay, we work approach. What else do we do? Space, well, that's giant. And it's not space like outer space, though that would be cool. It's space like inner space. Like how do you shape the inside of your body? <laughs> um, yeah, the inside of your body to create certain sounds. And how do you accommodate, you know, sound that is much higher or much lower and how do you work the instrument to accommodate that so i came up with this process and it's called sass and you you can go ahead and use it in your own studio or wherever you want or in your own home but basically you check your support you check your approach you check your space so when you're going through at home how do you make your practice time if you practice because i have some students i'm like don't practice let me practice you for a hot minute so we can break a you know whatever a muscle memory and technical thing so I'll say, don't practice, just do lip trills and I'll see you next week. Okay, but in this instance, I needed to give him tools to practice in a smart way. And so I came up with this. So it was just like, first, when you come up to something and you're feeling like it's not going well through a phrase, support, I want you to lip trill through it. Check your support, check and see. Are you, are you stopping air and starting air or you have a steady flow of subglottal pressure? What do you have going on? And then approach, I want you to check it. Here's what you do. If you feel like that high note's really challenging, what are you doing on the approach? What are you doing on the bottom note as you come up? Is it too heavy? Where's your, you know, where's, where, where are you producing that sound? And then space, which is very often, it's just we're not creating the right optimal space for this word or vowel sound we're singing. Okay, so I gave him this and it actually worked and I was floored and I use it to this day with singers. Like, here's how you practice. If you get home and you start to struggle, you know, Break it apart. Break it down. See what see what it could be. So you know what it could be. That way it's not mysterious like it was for me for a good 10 years. How am I doing what I'm doing? Okay. So all of those ideas have come across my phone or my Facebook or whatever um, from alumni and friends saying, hey, you should tell people about this. And hey, what about that? So this is this is where I sort of came to where I am right now. Through this process, I realized by not believing in myself to suddenly going, oh, I have no choice but to believe in myself, to now where I've arrived in a place where I'm like, I know what I'm doing. That's unbelievable, but I do. I know what I'm doing. And then going, oh my gosh. It took me a minute. I think it took 15 years before I went, I should be getting paid to do this, <laughs> like really paid, like enough money that I could make my ends meet and cover an overhead and do this because I'm actually giving the gift of this is valuable. Like uh, Kathy Heller, by the way, don't quit your day job, who's a huge inspiration for me. And I love her in every way. And I'll talk more about her, I'm sure at some point. But um, she, she says, don't sell price, sell value. And I can't even tell you what that when I heard that I'd already been kind of in that place in that wavelength that I was selling value because I was. And it took me 15 years to realize I was selling value. I'm not selling price. I don't want to sell price. If you come out, oh, well, I want, you know, who, how much do you charge? And how much do you charge? When people ask me how much I charge, I'm always like, 
okay, well, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the lowest price and that's cool. You know, I get it, everybody has a budget, but at the same time, why would you wanna waste your time giving your money away and not getting what you need? That's how I look at it too. Like, it's okay. You can ask for, I can ask for what I ask for because I give the student what they need. But it took me a long time to get there. But I'm here to tell people, do it now. Find out your purpose now. Don't feel bad because you're not a nine to fiver. Don't feel bad because, you know, what you want to do doesn't have a title on it or, you know, whatever. Wherever you lose yourself, whatever you fall in love with, whatever it is, where you, like I said, I'm in the room where it happens. I don't care what my title is. I'm in it. I'm in the music. That's what I want to be in. I want to be watching people sing. I want to be hearing people sing. I want to be singing. That's what I care about. When you find that and then you've also, you know, done some studying, right, along the way, like normal amount of studying probably, like obviously getting a PhD in music ed or, you know, those are all wonderful, wonderful things and I have nothing but huge, you know, um, respect, mad respect for people who are able to do it and find the time and get it done. Um, But you don't need to feel like a fraud if you don't have your PhD, right? You can actually have life experience and then have, you know, let people be your guinea pig, if you will, and say, hey, like I did for me, I'm like, I don't know if I can, what I can do, I'll try. <laughs> that was my first response to, will you teach my daughter? I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I, I can try. Um, but I knew it was, it was for me. So I don't feel bad now charging what I charge. I don't feel bad putting a value on what I give people because it is valuable. And I know that now, right? So that's sort of where I came to right here. Here I am. This is what I do. I teach, teach voice and teach singing. And I teach people how to take a stage and do it with and like I told the cast last night at Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat up in Port Huron with Port Huron Civic Theater. Take the stage with authority. Take it. It's yours. And that's what I'll leave everyone with today. Whatever you're doing, wherever your stage is, take it with authority. Okay, guys, thank you so much for joining me here today on my wild and crazy ride that is Sing, Breathe, Be with Heidi Riggs. Thank you for joining. And uh, until next time, friends, keep shining.